In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is still interested for Curio. to Still Interested. It's a TV and film reboot remake podcast for Curio. These <coughs> grumbly voiced tones are the tones of your sick boy host, Ben McAllister. And I'm your clean freak guide, Jackson Usid. Oh, Jackson, I'm sick as a wee dog. A little dog boy that has many illnesses. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. Uh, you, you I gotta know, say, though, there's like, there's like a certain like quality to it. I think it's it's pretty nice. I got that Tom Waits voice going on. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Twelve a dollar. <laughs> oh man, what a good way to start our our, our comedy podcast together. Very good. Yeah, I'm flying to China tonight for some some work related shit, and and uh, like right now, it's it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and, and consequently. I am just drugged the fuck up because I can't really afford to get on a plane with uh, blocked up ears and nose because that sucks. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in I'm in a, a, an extra dimensional plane right now, which is probably super appropriate for this movie that we've just watched. And, and of course, the film we're talking about is the 1995 Robin Williams opus Jumanji, directed by Joe Johnston, which was uh, I, I think a lazy effort from his parents, but um, yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, I gotta say, dude, this is one of those films for me. Like, we've talked about this before on this show, I'm pretty sure, um, about how, like, when you were a, a, a young adult or an early teen, and you just had, like, eight movies on, like, VHS or DVD, mm-hmm. like, this was one of those movies for me. So, I've probably seen this movie upwards of 30 times, I would say, conservatively. For me, it was more just repeated watchings of Batman Forever, but, Yeah, um... you see, for me, it was, like, Zoolander and this movie. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, for me it was, yeah, Zorro and uh, Batman Forever, which I think ah. really does explain both yeah, of our, really like, personal you. Yeah. Yeah, sensibilities. Yeah, um, I, I would say, you've, like, I've o- often thought of you as, like, a Zoolander, like, with a Jumanji vibe. Like, Thanks, that's man. how I've I, always I, described you. I prefer to, to think of myself more as, like, a Hansel with a bit of a Jumanji vibe. Mixed yeah, yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Like the Owen Wilson yeah. character. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, so, he's so hot right now, so, you know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> should, should we, like, now listen, our Zoolander fan cast aside, should we talk about this film? We absolutely should. So, the first thing I've noticed is that lime green opening. Oh, you know, ooh. like fucking... <laughs> cool, well, spooky title. Ooh. We're straight on screen with a big title screen, and it's all lime green, and it's a single word, Jumanji. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at this point, at this point, uh, when the movie started, I wanted to point something out. So, I just talked about how I've seen this movie probably about 30 times, if not more. I... Haven't seen it since I was probably about 12, and oh boy, did I forget a lot of things. Did you forget about the old-timey dudes we meet straight up carrying a chest? I definitely forgot about the 1869 frame narrative (laughs) that we're 
in right now where there's two young boys in 1869 carrying a chest through the woods. And I'm thinking, I'm like racking my memory of this movie. I'm like, does this ever get explored? Like, and, and spoiler alert, it does not. We see these kids exactly once. It's these two boys who are trying to bury a chest, which, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's playing spooky drums. It's seemingly, yeah, like noises. some sort of dr- drum, drum-powered chest of some kind, <laughs> which they are uh, burying. And then like, I think one of the brothers turns to the other and is like, like, what if someone finds it? And then yeah. my first title pitch yeah. uh, in response, may God have mercy on his soul, which yeah. I think really sets up the sort of vibe we're going to be in uh, yeah. for the rest of this movie. Yeah, exactly. I-, I came up with a fun new game for this film that I don't want to spoil. Oh. Um, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, so yeah, one of the boys is named Benjamin, which you know drew me right into the narrative, uh, but that's all we learn, and we won't worry about it. They bury the box, and then they leave, and yeah. now it's, what, 1969? Straight up, yeah, Summer of Love, straight up time fooling, and uh, <laughs> and we, we, it's got a real Summer of Love vibe. I, I think it's it's hidden, yeah, yeah. it's like woven throughout, but like you can really see people like kicking back. So um, yeah, it's got those real Stephen King vibes. We're now yeah. in the sixties in Brantford, New England, I believe, a fictional town. Uh, I'm not sure though. And a young boy named Alan Parrish is being chased through the streets by some bullies on his bike. And I think it's worth bike. noting before he's getting chased through the street, he's actually just riding around town and every single fucking person knows who Alan Parrish is and is just like, oh, yeah. hello, Alan. And like stopping traffic and shit. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I really got the vibe that he was maybe like the boy mayor of this, like, of this small town. We're thinking that's crazy at this point, but we later learn he like literally is the prince of town. The Parrish family. <laughs> owns everything in yeah. this city. Like, they're riding past statues of, like, different parishes who are, like, military commanders. Like, there's a construction site labelled, like, parish estates under construction. And we get to the heart of it all, the parish sneaker factory. Or the parish shoe factory, we should say. And so this is where Alan has been chased, essentially, by a gang of uh, children criminals led by, I, I believe... <laughs> a gang of artful dodgers. Artful dodgers, if you will. Uh, I believe headed up by one Billy Jessup. We get some sort of, like, lines off screen, like, uh, prepare to die, Parish. Which, like, at first I was like, is his last name Parish? If it is, there's more you can do there in terms of or simple is, wordplay. Or is this guy using uh, some kind of, like, cool freeform poetry where he's saying, prepare to die, comma, perish. Ooh, like he's yeah, fucking, free verse, you know, just, like, all the rules are out the window. Barking at a concrete moon. Man. Kinda, See, that would it would have been cool because, like, uh, <laughs> plot twist, we, like, we jump in time a little bit down the track. I would have loved to someone have come across, like, a book of poems by Billy Jessup. Yeah, or, like, like uh, pain yesterday sort of like free verse revolutionary poetry you yeah know? here an oblique reference to yeah like beat poet billy jessup yeah like revolutionary beat see poet. that anyway that would have been pretty fucking cool anyway yeah we, we'll <laughs> get there when we get there so we're in the sneaker factory and alan's meeting his friend soul man who's yeah. a carl who soul man the shoe guy i guess carl i think bentley anyway so, so he's working on the shoe factory floor and he's like yo alan check this out and he pulls out an obviously, like, 1990s sneaker with, yeah. like, the Velcro. And he's like... I mean, this I've is in- pretty, pretty hot for, like, the, like, the late 60s, yeah. dude, to be he's honest. like, I've invented this... Yeah, well, totally. He's like, I've invented the sneaker, Alan. <laughs> 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 Shit, <laughs> and Alan's like, okay. Yeah. He's, pretty, he's pretty much like, I'm going to get Wilt Chamberlain to wear yeah, these, yeah, and then everyone's like, going to want them. And I was like, geez, dude, all right, what, cool. What he says is, if I can get Wilt Chamberlain yeah. to wear them, which is like, yeah, fair enough. If you can get Wilt Chamberlain to wear your sneakers, they'll probably blow up. But like, <laughs> that is a lofty goal as, yeah. as step one of your sneaker marketing plan. Like, we all get- right. 
<laughs> Step zero, we get the Stegos. Step one, Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Step two, that's it. Once Wilt, yeah, once Wilt has them, we have the world. It. We've done it. I want to introduce you to my first a mighty goof uh, oh. for this movie. I want to uh, alert you to the fact that there are so many goofs for this movie. Uh, oh, no. I've only picked a few of them, but oh my god, the IMDb community just embarrassed this movie with goofs. <laughs> like, just, just shamed this movie out of existence. One of the first ones pertains to this very moment. In 1969, Carl shows Alan the training shoe he's worked on for almost a year. However, it's not a prototype, but a finished shoe representing many years of development using 1990s materials. <laughs> so this, like, time-travelling shoe wizard has managed to, to jump 26 years in the future and, and pull a sneaker off Will Chamberlain's very foot. Yeah. Uh, from his cold, dead feet. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, ter- that's terrific. I don't think um, Will Chamberlain's dead, is he? Will Chamberlain definitely has to be dead, right? Maybe by now, but in 95? Oh, probably not in 95. He died in 99, dude. Oh, that's sad. Uh, Played the greatest game of basketball ever. Shot underhanded the whole time. Anyway, um, that's a little... Uh, that's a little. I think that's a Radiolab fact for you. <laughs> a little really? cross-promo. Shout-out to Radiolab. Yeah, in, in, in the game World Chamberlain played where he played the, the greatest individual game of basketball ever where he scored over 100 points, he was shooting his free throws underhand. And he nailed, like, all of his free throws, and he's, like, a famously terrible free throw shooter. And I think the whole episode was about how, like, everyone just should shoot free throws underhanded, because it's just yeah. demonstrably a better way to do it. But the only reason everyone doesn't is because it's, like, frowned upon, and they don't want to look like fucks. And yeah. uh, Will Chamberlain, <laughs> like, put that aside for one game and played the greatest game of basketball. <laughs> Um, so we, we cut outside and we can see that Billy Jessup and his gang of thieves are just swarming around on their bikes like piranhas, if you will. Which, yeah. like, like the actual, like, because, like, Alan's not inside this shoe factory for very long, but, like, the the concentration and, like, determination of these, like, bullies to, like, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they've got a mission. Um, we also see that, uh, we get to meet Alan's dad, Sam Parrish, uh, played by, um, uh, still interested, uh, fan favorite, Jonathan Hyde. You might remember him as the Egyptologist from, uh, The Mummy. Um, and basically he's just kind of like a grumpy dude that's just kind of like, Alan, get the fuck out of here. I know there's bullies outside that want your blood, but like, go face them. He later implies that he thought it was just one bully and he was like, you gotta stand up to that little boy. And uh, he, he apparently was not aware of the fact that it was literally a whole <laughs> gang of thieves that were trying to murder his son. Uh, so he sends Alan outside. Before Alan leaves, he's like accidentally put fucking uh, the Wilt Chamberlain sneaker down on yeah, the conveyor the belt. soul of soul man. Yeah, and it gets, um, it gets fed into like a thresher and like fucks up the thresher and the sneaker in one go and then Alan's dad's like who did this and like Alan sees that it was his fault and like leaves the factory in shame and then Soul Man is like it was me sir and I guess gets fired it's yeah literally... I think immediately gets fired it seems yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's not made clear Anyway, Alan goes outside and <laughs> proceeds to, of course, just get the tar beaten out of him by these bullies. Billy says, just because you're a parish doesn't mean you get to hang out with my girlfriend, which is like, yeah, good point, I guess. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's the implication fair. that he's trying to avoid being cucked by the prince of town. <laughs> I mean, certainly... I guess so, yeah. And then we get probably my favourite thing that one of these kids say after they beat him up. One of them is just like, yeah, get his bike! <laughs> I just love that they're like, yeah, fucking rob this kid. <laughs> Alan, like, essentially picks himself up, like, calls him a bunch of jerks, and then is, like, about to head home. 
but he's hearing this drumming. And, like, he just can't help but go investigate. And it's convenient because this drumming is coming from this construction company. Like, of this construction the parish site. Estate. Of the parish estate. And I guess that's why everyone's cool when, like, they all the adults bail, and then there's just this young kid that's just kind of, like, tooling around in this construction site. And they're like, oh, that's the prince of town. Who cares? He's to do whatever like, he wants. Yeah. <laughs> because he literally, like, this young child just, like, runs through this, like, active construction site, and then Not just starts. It's like, yeah, no hard hat at all, no no high vis, and he just starts like digging out this like what is essentially like a treasure chest from, from one of like the like one of the walls of this yeah, like construction site, and he fucking opens it, and he finds a board game, and like, all right, that's pretty cool. I gotta say at this point, this scene is giving me so much nostalgia, but mm. I do feel like Alan's reaction to finding an old dusty board game, he's like. Wow. Yeah. He's like amazed that he dug through the ground and found some essentially <laughs> trash. Let's be honest. We see here that that like he is, it has like just like a super nice house and like almost like comically so because it looks like a pretty like like working class sort of like like nice town but you know like nothing special. It's and a then full, he all like Wayne family to yeah, you know, like level yeah. of He drops a piece and it like zips onto the board immediately and he's like, "Whoa, it must be magnetic or something." And, uh, yeah, then he's fucking eating dinner. We're cutting ahead. He's fucking chowing down. Dad is, um, I, I think he has, like, a, sp- he's a guest of honour at this dinner later later this evening. And so he's, like, working on his speech with, like, his wife and that sort of thing. And then, like, the parents are like, we should go talk to Alan, you know. And they basically the, the parents come over to Alan as he's eating and being like, we're proud of you for getting beaten up. Like, I honestly, if I'd known there were so many of those little criminals. <laughs> if I I'd known there was a I gang. Yeah, if, if you told me it was a gang, I wouldn't have sent you to your death. But you did go anyway, you did get the tar beaten out of you, but you're still alive, and so congratulations, we're sending you away. Sending you to boarding school. Yeah. Which is like, is that a reward? They they paint it like it's a reward, and like, at this point, I'm thinking like, oh, that's terrible, they really don't like their kid, but we let alone, like, they genuinely, like, they view it as a reward, the two of them. Like, they're like, Parrish has been going to this boarding school for years, and I gotta say, dude, at this point, we're hitting our first point of remakeability for me, because we're getting rebellious teen action, and that is always yeah. remakeable on this show <laughs> fucking Alan's yelling at his dad he's like I don't want to go be a parish at this boarding school where I stay in parish hall and get in trouble for being a parish yeah. because, like, maybe parish I don't want to be a parish at all and then his dad's like well you won't be until you grow up and like they basically have this shouting match as like his dad is leaving and it's so funny just like them like yelling over their shoulders at each other yeah yeah it's so waspish man the whole family dynamic <laughs> yeah, here is yeah. fucking crazy so the parents leave Alan's like alright I'm running away I don't want to go to boarding school. He's like packing his suitcase. And as he's walking out the door, Billy, his bully's girlfriend, Sarah, is there at the front door. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? But then very quickly, she hears the drums from the board game. And she's like, what was that? Now, I do want to note that she's like, what was that? Before the drums have really stopped. Like, it's literally like, boom, boom. And she's like, what was that? While the drums are still going. So yeah. maybe a sound editing goof there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, she she stops out running away and they go inside to play the game. Because what else would you do? They sit down, they like scroll through some of the rules. And then Sarah very quickly decides that this is just some dumb board game. And she's too cool for it. But in throwing away the dice, she accidentally starts herself in the game. And this is like a recurring thing we're going to see now. Is that like... Yeah. No Nobody wants to play this game, but yeah, exactly. everyone, everyone just gets, like, accidentally sucked into 
it. Like, and the game's like, you're in now. She rolls the dice. The piece moves automatically along the board. It occurred to me around this scene, uh, I was like, shit, if you haven't seen this movie, like, we probably should explain what the actual game is. It's literally just, a, like, a grid with, like, squares and there's, like, as many pieces as you want and they just have to move to, like, the center of the board and that's that's when you win. But every time you roll, a little, like, poem appears on the little viewfinder piece in the middle of the thing and it says something spooky about how mosquitoes are going to eat your butt or something like that. And then... <laughs> yeah, there were a lot, lot of butt mosquitoes in this in this film. Yeah. Like, you'd think they'd, they'd cut it back, but... Because I watched the extended edition and, um, the, like, the, the director's cut, and it's actually just, like, 14 more minutes of butt mosquitoes. Yeah, um, and, and like people on top of the existing 35. Well, that's that what I mean. too much. Like, yeah, yeah, The whole sequence where the, the entire town is, like, running and all yelling, butt mosquitoes, butt mosquitoes, butt mosquitoes. Like, that in itself was, like, a six-minute tracking shot reminiscent of true detective and like it was it was powerful but like i think a little overdone the thing reads something about oh creepy bats are gonna happen and then a bunch of bats like make noise like chittering in the chimney but they don't they don't actually come out yet and we're like oh okay what's going on and she's like this is dumb and then alan rolls his turn because you know why would you not and the thing says in the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. And they're both like, <laughs> what? Why would they? Huh? And then, uh, Alan, and then, dude, special effects incoming hard. Like, yeah. I'm so hype. <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. Like, the CG on this scene looks terrible. Alan gets, like, sucked into the board. But he's, like, sucked in, like, layer by layer, like a fucking graphite pencil. Like, he's literally, like, his hands are out in front of him and, like, the top layer of his hands is being sucked it's like, it looks bad. But it is at this point that I want to introduce my new game uh, for this this episode, which is called That's Horrifying TM. Because the idea <laughs> is that, like, this is a children's movie. And when you're watching this as a child, it's one of those things where, like, you just don't think about it that much. Like, you just don't think about how fucked up a lot of it is. So much of the stuff that happens in this movie is so fucked up. Like, it is fucking horrifying to imagine yeah. this shit actually happening. This is a prime example. She, like, she sees her friend sucked into a board game, then a bunch of bats fly out of the chimney and chase her screaming out of the house. That is absolutely existentially terrifying. But, gotta say, MVP to the little girl actress who played young Sarah here, because she she did a pretty convincing job running from imaginary bats. And then we just jump forward, and it's 26 years later. A nice little match cut from the uh, closed doors in uh, this time to, like, the slightly more, like, corroded, fucked up doors in 1995. This is your Night of Film Boy calling in with things yeah. like match cut. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, dude, I-, I, got, I got a note at this point. A second time jump occurs. Was that whole thing... The whole first 15 minutes of the movie... A, a pre-movie double, movie that explains double, the movie? Dude, yeah, not movie, dude. A double layer pre-movie dude, movie that explains dude. the movie. Two, two pre-movie movies! <laughs> a fucking combo! That is a new record for layers yeah. of frame narrative. And that and is like, always like, remakeable. 100% dude. And we'll see that this film has a really and we're about to get to some of it, a really interesting relationship with exposition. In that yeah. <laughs> they really don't let the audience do any work for themselves. Like no, this. 
Like, any opportunity that they can explain the subtext of what's going on, they'll do it. Uh, we're now 26 years in the future, and a new family is buying the home. We very quickly learn, as you've just described through some clunky exposition, that their parent, there's two little kids and their aunt, their parents are dead, they died in a car crash in Canada, so the aunt's in charge. The real estate agent is like, oh, so they're your kids? And then she's like, actually, no, come here, let me whisper. So they're my late brother's kids, and, like, him and his wife, they died recently in this car crash in Canada. So I'm just taking looking after the kids now, I'm going to turn this place into a, bread and, a, a bed and breakfast. I know no one's been here for so long. And uh, yeah, that's the story. And that's where we're at now. Like, Dude, it's literally like Nora. She's so put upon, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just needs a drink or something like that, dude, for yeah, sure. Yeah, she just needs someone to, to dump, to vent to, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's also, like, we'll get to this later, she's non-stop, dude. Like, she's always on the grind. Like, she fucking, <laughs> she has very little chill, and, like, deservedly so. Peter hasn't spoken a word since it happened, and I'm like, Christ, that's crazy. How long have they been dead? It seemed like it was a really long time. Um, the little girl then starts to straight lying to the real estate agent. Uh, little girl, of course, Kirsten Dunst, by the way. Yeah. A young yeah, Kirsten yeah. Dunst, I believe in her film debut. She's absolutely putting in work. She's like, our parents are international diamond thieves, and they were on a safari and the fucking Sahara, and then a lion... And then, like, she just like makes up some bullshit, and then yeah, the, they they the died on like, like a, on, on like a yacht crash sort of thing. She really yeah, just yeah. like destroys this real estate agent. And I gotta say, dude, that that is a prank. And as we know in this show, pranks are <laughs> always remakeable. <laughs> oh man, so many elements so quickly. I had a prank later, but uh, yeah, yeah, dude, there, there uh, are a couple. <laughs> there are a few really good pranks. Cut to essentially an extended sequence where the family's fixing up the house because it's old and dusty, and no one's been in the old parish place for a while. Nora's like, Peter, take that suitcase up to the attic then we can all have ice cream and bourbon but she doesn't quite say the last part quiet enough <laughs> like yeah you imagine that was like she'd be like we can all have ice cream and bourbon but she's like <laughs> we can all have ice cream and bourbon <laughs> it's like to, to the kid okay great peter takes the uh suitcase, suitcase upstairs and then there's something up there which spooks him and then uh he bails downstairs but of course he's not really talking they go investigate um there's not like they're not really sure what's there and so i guess they bring in like uh, a pest controller sort of person um yeah, like a, a pest control guy that comes in um this is after as well that uh judy has remarked that i'm going to motel six in response to the uh the abject horror of this house which i was like "Ooh, that line feels weird for like a young person yeah. dunce to be saying yeah, um no, she, she has a lot of just essentially memes yeah like, she will yeah. just say shit like that a lot so this uh pest control dude comes in and starts a trend in which um Adults in this film are both Just say both completely both childlike things. and both yeah they they love terrifying children like in such a powerful way where essentially like the kids are like they reckon it was like an African bat and this guy was like huh African bats huh well some kid in the sixties said there was African bats like near this house but that's crazy talk I was like this guy what the fuck why does he one no different bats because he points at the bat the guy's like that's an African bat that's yeah. one thing why would he know that two he remembers random interactions from 26 years ago. But also, ago. the interaction the audience has just seen, and he's like, oh, of yeah. course it was that one time we had African bats, but no one believed her, but you know. He then goes on to point out, like, the reason why this house is so cheap, and the real thing to be afraid of in this house is not African bats. No, no. It's the fact that Alan Parrish, as a young boy, was murdered by his father, chopped up into little pieces, and oh hidden in, like, the floorboards. That is so fucked up. What a fucked up thing to say to a bunch of children. This guy gets an LVP nom for yeah, me, dude. for sure. For being an 100%. absolute turd. Then we cut to their dinner, and Kirsten Dunst, as Judy, is like, 
uh, I heard Alan Parrish got murdered here and chopped up into bits and hidden in the walls. And Aunt Nora's like, you're grounded, Judy. Stop lying. So apparently it's a character trait it's- of Judy that she's just a compulsive liar. Yeah. Like, and that yeah. is literally like a repeated character trait is that she just won't, will not stop lying. So now it's like nighttime and the kids are hanging out and Peter is talking. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so does, does Peter talk, but like just to Judy and like not to other adults? Like maybe that's it. But no, dude. Literally, Peter talks to everyone throughout the rest of the movie. Like, the whole, like, Peter doesn't talk thing has just gone completely out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally, like, he meets other adults later, and there's not even, like, a scene where it's like, go on, Peter, you have to talk to them, and he, like, does. He's just like, oh, hey. Like, I I was baffled by that. I was like, what was the point of including it if it wasn't going to be an actual thing? These kids, they can't stop hearing Drummond, essentially. Is it the general vibe here? Dude, I am going to say, the, like... Like, alluring, spooky, child-attracting magic of this board game is a very cool element that I genuinely hope is in the remake. Like, Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I haven't seen the remake yet. I like, I genuinely hope the board game is in it at all, because it kind of just looks to me like it's the rock in the jungle. Like, which I am into, because you remember they made that animated series, Jumanji, which was, like, about Alan's time in Jumanji? I, I did not. No. <laughs> Benjamin, I think you should take more time at what things you throw out at, like, being, like, hot references that are in the zeitgeist. So there was a Jumanji animated show? Okay. Yeah, yeah, there was a Jumanji animated show. Sorry, okay, I thought good. that was uh, more common knowledge. There were 40 episodes in three seasons, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, which was, like, about time in Jumanji. But, like, I, I kind of think the remake might just be about that. I hope there is the actual board game. I feel like I've seen a trailer which implies that it might be a cool modern take and it being a video game. Oh no, you broke my heart! You broke my heart! I'm pretty sure they play a video game and that's how they enter the world of Jumanji. Oh no. It's the next morning, the kids are supposed to get on the bus to go to school, but they are slaves to the Roomba beat, dude. Yeah, they they can't help it. And they're like, well, fuck school, I guess. And they go off in the attic, they find the board game, and, like, literally at this point, what has happened? You've gone in the attic, you found an old board game. The instant strategy is like, well, we gotta play it. Like, rather than being like, oh, it's... foolish of us not to. Yeah, that is like, rather than being like, oh, it's a board game. Okay, well, I guess we should go to school. They're like, cool, let's play this board game. (laughs) And they sit down. The two of them have a turn each, and they then successfully summon bugs and monkeys. And that's that's how, like... Hers hers is the bugs, right? But mosquitoes, essentially. Before either of those things occur, she rolls the dice, the pieces move, like, magically, what what Alan called magnetically across the board, and Judy says this, which is a title pitch for me, just because of how hard it encapsulates 1995 she says it's gotta be microchipped or something which is like <laughs> just so dated as a way I get a real like toy something. soldiers sort of vibe from that you know what oh, I mean like, yeah dude like the note yeah completely oh, I fucking love that movie man how good apparently Fuck, it's dude. apparently it's a hard rewatch but we maybe maybe we should do it as like a, a speculative one to do you know what I mean I was thinking of that movie about the actual toy soldiers where there's like alien toy soldiers and like commander yeah. toy soldiers yeah yeah, yeah yeah no to- yeah. toy soldiers is a different movie I think that movie's called something else. Unless there's two movies called Toy Soldiers. Maybe it's Little Soldiers. No, Small Soldiers. Small Soldiers. <laughs> yeah, dude. Small Soldiers. Oh, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah, dude. Look at all these I want to watch that movie Oh, so man. Right, we, we have do to, this we have to press on. So they seem pretty unperturbed, despite how fucking horrifying TM that shit is, where they just fucking summon bugs and monkeys, uh, and they realise that they need to finish the game. Uh, in order to, to get it all to go away, because that's on the rule card. And again, just immediately they're, they're okay with this. They immediately buy into it. Judy literally says, I bet those monkeys came from the game. And then they're like, yep, that's 
We got it. That makes sense. Logic accepted. So he rolls the dice again, and immediately things get much worse because they summon a fucking lion out of the board game, (laughs) and it's in the attic, and we're like, oh no, a lion. It's important to note that he's also rolled a five. Mm. Uh, So the lion comes out of the game, and I've got another mighty goof for you, which is that lions do not live in the jungle. They live on grassy (laughs) plains, which of course is a goof because the movie couldn't be about fucking a magical board game in a magical world when maybe there are some lions near enough to a jungle no this is cinema and (laughs) cinema has to be true so the the kids are running from the lion and there's robin williams and he fucking is wearing this very cool leaf outfit he's a a grown-up alan parish as we very quickly learn and uh yeah he like jukes the lion like gets it to run into a room and then he locks it in there and at this point i literally like i put my laptop down and i was just watching the movie because honestly dude i was not prepared for how hard this gut punched me like this movie was fucking so... I watched it so many times. It was, like, one of my favourite movies as a little kid. And, like, I haven't watched it since Robin Williams died, and it was just fucking... Yeah, It was yeah. bad. It was really sad. Like, genuinely really sad. We're not dwelling on that for too long. Yeah. <laughs> he kicks his way into a bedroom uh, that I guess was his old bedroom, and that was the door that was locked before, I guess. Yes. And he's, like, looking at his old bike. He's going into the wardrobe, and he's like oh, all my old things, and he's, like, having a lot of reminiscing moments. And then the kids come in the room, and he's like, one of your old a five or an eight, didn't you? And then they're like, yeah. And then he's like, fuck yeah. And he, he like, runs around the house screaming for his parents. And this scene is actually really, really sad. Because the kids have to explain to him that it's 26 years later. His parents are probably dead. Like, he's like, where are my parents? Are you my brother and sister? And it's like, oh, Christ, this is all very upsetting. And Alan Parrish is, is like, out the front in this, like, you know, like... Uh, very <clears throat> cosplay jungle sort of vibe. Uh, like a uh, cop car rolls past, and we see that Carl, the Soul Man Bentley, is yeah, now dude. a cop. Alan jumps on the hood of his car because, of course, he does. And the cop comes out. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And man, this cop dude. Like, I, I love how this cop deals with this situation. He sees this like wild jungle man in the street who's like, "What year is it?" Which is a classic meme. Two little kids come out and they're like, "That's our uncle. He was in the Peace Corps in Indonesia." I'm gonna give Judy an MVP here because this is some quick thinking. Like, she yeah, comes dude, out. Sure. She's just met this guy. The police officer is obviously like this guy's crazy I gotta lock him up and she's like no 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 it's my uncle he's a vegetarian that's why he's wearing what he's wearing yeah, he's, from, so he's in the Peace Corps that and that is, sort of thing that doesn't play but like, there are a lot of yeah. things in this movie that do not play today that is that true that is one of them um, um, and then we get a, uh, a sweet monkey prank <coughs> Um, oh, where these two oh. two little monkos uh, get inside Carl's uh, car and then like just start playing around with like the shotgun. They blow the light off the top of the off the top of the car and then like turn on the car, accelerate and speed away. And Carl is just left like leaving this strange jungle man as he runs down the street chasing his you police mean, car. He he le- he leaves what he believes to be a deranged lunatic unaccompanied with some children. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. uh, we won't do on that because animal hijinks, dude, highly remake. So I will be astonished if we don't see any of that in the remake. Yeah. So Alan now is like determined to find his parents. He's running off. He finds the factory and it's just abandoned. And he's like, oh man, the factory's abandoned. This whole town is so decrepit. And like, is it because like the young, the, the young boy mayor set slash prince like disappeared during the prime of his yeah. career and, and it just like destroyed no this whole place. town? 
Yeah. Dude, there was no one to sit on the throne and chaos <laughs> reigned. Because truly, this place is like trashed. It's been decades, Brantford. Why has nobody been fucking using this land? Uh, Alan thinks he sees someone up in the office. He thinks it's his dad. He runs upstairs and it's an old homeless man. The most oh. charming stylish squatter you have ever seen in a film. This dude has a pipe, he's got a fireplace going, he's brewed he's some coffee. Like, so this, I, dude, this dude is living right. He's like, oh, looking for the parishes, are you? They've been dead for 50 years. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Alan's like, oh no, and he runs off to the fucking graveyard and he finds the graves of his parents. They died just four years prior, essentially. Oh, that's so um, sad. Yeah. Oh god, so much about this Missed movie by is that much. so fucking sad yeah dude okay it hits hard um we also get the line here as alan is like staring at the gravestone like mourning his parents essentially uh we get judy i guess trying to connect by just saying our parents are dead too which i thought (laughs) as a title pitch is pretty fun (laughs) the kids are like alan you have to help us finish the game he's like no i won't do it and then they're like walking through the street and is it like did, did the ambulance hit that car because, like, I've, like, an ambulance is speeding through, and I'm pretty sure they, like, sideswipe another car. And then one of the EMTs in the ambulance is like, stop, stop. And everyone's like, did we hit her that hard? <laughs> oh, like, my God. Then, then they're like, oh, no, 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 she's just got a weird fucked up bite on her head. And they're like, oh, God, another one? So this woman's, like, lying unconscious in the car, and she has, like, a big welt on her forehead. Yeah, implication then, being that she's been uh, bitten by one of the bump mosquitoes. It's also yeah, worth noting here, really quickly, that the homeless guy gave Alan some fresh new digs. I gotta say, this, like, mashup, like, style of, like, jungle slash normcore is fucking yeah. hot, dude. Like, yeah, looks like Alan cool. looks so fresh. His huge beard. <laughs> very... He's kind of, like, jungle slash normcore style. It's very fucking fresh. He looks very 2018, for sure. Yeah, dude, he really um, does. Any, anyway, so now the kids see that there are all these fucking mosquitoes coming in, and they're like, oh god, and they get in the car... Uh, with Alan, and Alan's like, it's cool, we're gonna be fine, it's just mosquitoes, they kind of get through the glass, and dude, this was so fucking horrifying, TM, because these mosquitoes start fucking pecking through the goddamn glass, can you imagine? You're you're behind the screen, and these giant, like, size of a tennis racket mosquitoes start, like, pecking through glass! Of course, Alan's like, alright, can either of you drive? No? It's okay, my dad used to let me back the car out, and like, Proceeds to do some incredible stunt driving, dude. Yeah. He like slams the car into drive. And at this point, he's a mighty goof for you. When Alan drives the car for the first time, we see him put the car into a slide around the corner and then correct the slide with opposite steering. This is an advanced driving technique beyond the ability of most drivers, let alone someone who's never driven a car before. <laughs> so I guess someone on IMDb took extreme exception to Alan's driving ability. And you know, that's fair enough. The back of the house. And Alan's like... You know, this is all technically my house, right? Seeing as I didn't oh die. Oh my god, yes. He t- he <laughs> like, the, quote, the quote is like, I hope you realise that with my parents gone, that this house belongs to me. And that is not true at all. Like, that is, that is so far from, like, legality. Like, that he's just kind of like, well, no, I, I I am the prince, and thus I'm back to re-inherit the throne. Yeah, he's, he's got this feudalist mindset that he can just take whatever <laughs> he wants in town, which I guess he was raised as the boy prince, so maybe that makes sense. Uh, Alan walks into the bathroom, sees, like, a nicely appointed bathroom and toilet paper, and says, Oh, no more banana leaves. Which is a title pitch for me, because it kind of sums up the movie. He walks out of the bathroom, having scrubbed up a so nice. 
Well, except for like the, you know, like four or five little bits of yeah, tissue he's paper. He's got a couple like, of on shaving cuts, cuts on him, but there's yeah. my boy, dude. There's my boy. There's a yeah. fresh face, short haired Robin Williams, and he looks fucking. Not in this scene he's got paper cuts, but on the, the next scene when they're all just mysteriously gone, continuity goof, uh, he looks good, man. Peter plays Alan so good here, where he's basically just kind of like. He literally says, like, he uses reverse psychology, and he's kind of like, no, it's cool. You're afraid. You're a big coward boy. That's fine. It's okay to be a coward boy. Like, don't worry. Get out of here. That's fine, kid. Don't worry. And like Robin Williams is like, I'm not afraid. Yeah, all right. I'll watch your game. But not before he takes a little, like a couple of minutes here to like get on eye level with Peter. And again, another adult talking to a child being like, oh, this is going to fuck you up, kid. The things you're about to see. I've seen things you can't even imagine, man. Like an inch from his face. Like he's literally got the thousand yard stare, dude. He's just yelling in a child's face about all the fucked up shit he's seen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, what they realize here is that after Alan agrees to actually watch the game, um, they realize that there's another player involved and they can't actually advance the next turn to the next p- player, uh, roles. Um, yeah, this was a cool twist that I forgot about that like they're yeah. still playing the same game Alan started in 1969 cause he never finished it. Yeah. And so guess what? It's not even Alan's turn next. It's Sarah Whittle's turn? Sarah Whittle, yeah. So they, they uh, haul ass down to uh, I get Madame Serena's psychic lounge or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something they, foolish. They go try to find Sarah. She's, of course, like living in, in uh, a guise of a fake psychic now, as you say. And she opens the door and Alan's like, hey, it's me, Alan. And she just straight up faints. Oh, dude, the, the thing is, because here is, I think, my favorite title pitch of all, is that, like, he's there and he's like, Sarah... Do you remember playing a game with a boy from across oh the street? A game a f- with drums? A game with drums as a way of describing this experience is yeah, exactly. really fucking bizarre to me. That you'd be like, remember how I got sucked into a game? No, 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 forget that. Remember the drums, Sarah? Remember the drums? Like, it's just so funny. <laughs> it's true. It's pretty, pretty, pretty pretty fucked up as a, as a way to describe that situation. She calls the psychiat- her psychiatrist and she's like, uh, hi, so you know how I've spent 26 years in therapy with you and over 2,000 hours trying to forget about this thing that I hallucinated when I was a child? Well, it doesn't seem like it was a hallucination because I'm looking at the little boy right now. Anyway, call me back. Then they show her the board game. She like freaks out and screams and Christ, Alan is not very sympathetic or understanding here. He's yeah. like, just play the game, Sarah. And like, he makes some points about how he's like, yeah, okay, you've had it bad fucking 2,000 hours in therapy. I've had it worse i've been trapped in a jungle hellscape for 26 years we get a few creepo and, vibes here for sure yeah from, uh, old yeah, yeah. I, I think it's ultimately forgivable given what he's been through uh but yeah it's it's definitely it's a lot where he's like she's like trying to leave and he's like tricking her into playing the game it's, yeah uh, where, where he, is, he essentially she's like i, I don't want to play and he's like all right fine sarah you've convinced me just hand me the dice and then as she goes to drop them in his uh, hands he does the old pranked. fake out Pranked so bad. Where are the cameras? Look up at the ceiling. (laughs) You're on prank patrol, Sarah. Um, Where's Ashton Kutcher? Get him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him out. Um, And yeah, so Alan has like four Sarah back into the game. (coughs) Uh, And this one, this is actually one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. I've got the same one. Barrels the camera and says, "It's the law of the jungle, Sarah." That is an amazing (laughs) title pitch. It's like it's very good. Now Um, I think Sarah lands on is like. Something about, like, they grow really fast and you can't even stop them. And, like, this point I was like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot about this disgusting thing that happens next. Yeah. All these vines start creeping into the house. 
Uh, and then not just vines. Um, there's so basically like the whole house is just being like is covered in this all this like uh, flora essentially, and there are these big uh, purple-headed flowers essentially with like poisonous barbs on them. Um, and then they, they start talking about, like, the big yellow one that you have to watch out for, um, and then we get introduced to that big yellow flower when, uh, a vine wraps around Peter's leg and then drags him towards its mouth as this disgusting, like, gross flower head just, like, opens up and tries to, um, eat our sweet young Peter, like, in one go. We're getting Little Shop of Horror vibes, for sure. Totally. And, uh, and then fucking Alan decides to save the day with an ancient sword. <laughs> so he runs to the mantelpiece, smashes a glass cabinet containing, like, I don't know, probably his great-granddad's fucking sword or something. He's, he says, sorry, Angus, grabs the sword, and then yells half his time, and then <laughs> cuts, the, cuts the vibe. Like, why, where did half his time come from? Like, so bizarre. Garbage day! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he straight up hacks the vine apart with this ancient sword, which I love. And, uh, yeah, now we're cutting back to Carl Bentley, the cop, finding his car all smashed the fuck up. Uh, that's literally all we see, and then we're back to the game. Uh, at this point, like, they're all sitting around the table, and they convince her to keep playing by basically forming a, a covenant. Like, they're, they're sitting there, and, and uh, she's like, what if I get trapped in Jumanji? And Alan's like, you won't, because I won't stop playing. And the kids are like, me either. Me either. And they all put their hands in and seal this grim death pact. Uh, and I gotta say, the like we th- this group forms a very strong bond. Like, considering they know each other for all of one day. Like, they, they immediately form this, like, unquestionable friendship. And uh, I gotta say, the strong bond through adversity? Kind of stupid, but definitely remakeable. Totally, dude. Um, so it is now Alan's turn. He takes the dice and give, gives a little roll. But essentially, the important thing is that as it's, as it's being read out, Alan stands up and like sort of mutters Van Pelt under his under his breath, and then he just starts bailing as a shot rings out, and there is fucking Jonathan Hyde as Van Pelt the Hunter in like full like full like sort of like uh, big game hunting like uh, African safari gear, just like with like an elephant rifle, trying to like now hunt uh, now hunt Robin Williams, who always was the most dangerous game. Yeah. This character is actually fucked up. He's trying to hunt, like, what is essentially a little boy. Like, he's mentally a child, and he fucking, like, straight up, like, probably, we're meant to imply, was hunting him from when he was a child. Because Alan knows him from his time in Jumanji. Like, Van Pelt has been hunting this little boy for 26 years until he has become a man. And, like, (laughs) is continuing to hunt him and try and fucking murder this dude. Like... It's fucked up. Alan's like defense mechanism is to hurl a sword at Van Pelt. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not super effective, but ba- basically, yeah, Alan just like motors out of there, and um, Van Pelt is following him, like firing shots. Around this time, Carl walked up to the parish house to check out what all oh, the weird man. stuff was. This does not play in 2018. No, 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 no. Like a deranged gunman in the street in a shootout no. with police. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he calls for him to drop his weapon, and then Van Pelt just, like, massacres the car, goes to take a shot at Alan, runs out of ammo, and is like, blast, and then just, like, waltzes off. Alan runs away from Van Pelt through the neighborhood, and then he returns to the house, and Alan and Judy, sorry, Alan and Sarah, uh, start arguing about fucking her old boyfriend Billy, 
And the kids are sitting there and it's like, why are they arguing about Billy? It's fucking, it makes very little sense. And then Judy's like, all right, fuck this. And she rolls. <clears throat> and then it's like the, the poem's something like, oh, it, don't, don't worry, it's not thunder, but to stay put would be a blunder. And we start hearing like, <laughs> and we're like, okay, what, what is this? And then Alan goes over to one of the walls and like puts his ear up against it and turns and delivers a, an amazing title pitch, which is, <laughs> it's a stampede! And then they all start running as all these animals burst through the wall and like, <laughs> start chasing the family, but they can fucking outrun the stampede of animals. They're like yeah. running. Alan's like, don't look back, which is great advice for this situation and life in general. And I gotta say at this point, man, MVP nom to the animators who did all these animals because they hold up surprisingly well. Yeah, there's, there's like, like a real sense of like suspension of disbelief and they're very obviously CGI, but like I think you can get sort of like wrapped up in it because of like the way they move and that sort of thing. Like it, It's still, you know, it's still enjoyable. A pelican comes in and steals the Jumanji board and flies away. And, and uh, Alan just sprints after it being like, it's heading to water! And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. fair enough, Jungle Man. Yeah. Lead us away. I- we now get... A really powerful and sad comment on gun control in the United States. This scene does not play in (laughs) 2018. Van Pelt has gone to a gun store because he's out of ammo. Dude's like, they stopped making this type of ammunition in like 1903. And he's like, blast. Well, then give me a replacement. He hands him this like high powered like sniper rifle slash like, there's some shit going on with this sort of thing. And then the guy's like, I'm going to need to fill out some paperwork. He's like, he's like, he's, dude, he's like, there's a three day waiting period. And Van Pelt just drops a fistful of gold on the table. And the guy's like, like, oh, cool, I'll fill out those forms. Don't even worry about it. Super glad to have your business in here. Um, And yeah, it's... um, And then he says, you're not a postman, are you? Like, as he's like sighting down the gun. And it's just like, man... This scene about, like, bribing a gun salesman to avoid waiting lists and paperwork and then jokes about yeah. mass shootings just do not play in 2018. No. Least Valuable Player Award to this gun salesman for contributing to America's very sad gun control issue. It's actually so funny because, like, if you view it in this light now, you're kind of like, oh, that's pretty horrifying and also believable. Whereas, like, back when I was younger, I was like, yeah, you get him, Van Pelt. Get, get that new ammunition. <laughs> yeah, Fuck three-day waiting cool. periods. That's your, that's, your second, that's your second amendment right fuck yeah bear yeah. arms yeah you know yeah. like you were a real <laughs> hardcore staunch conservative as a week I really I was it. yeah 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 you used to come into school and, and try and tell us about how welfare was a broken system and how it was all about stimulating the economy through small business I know and look at look at me now like <laughs> look how, look how far a, I've fallen yeah now you're a media mogul um yeah <laughs> <laughs> there is so much going on in this movie like and that scene aside like it is delightful like we've got different threads fucking popping up all over the place yeah. it's moving yeah. really fucking fast fucking Alan is down there fighting this pelican for the board he totally fucks it up and the board game goes in the water but Peter gets it back by fucking climbing along a log with the hanging fucking down stunts it. dude yeah, yeah so dude. fresh Inc- incredible stunt he pulls the board game out of the water before it goes over the waterfall and dude honestly honestly here i was like mvp that was incredible and then like immediately afterwards yeah does not i had to i had to give him an lvp 
Okay. Um, because as as we as we uh, continue a bit, bit further along here, they're walking back into the game. Uh, Alan's being kind of a dick to Peter, and like a, the film sort of being like he had a bad relationship with his dad, so he has a bad relationship with all young like young guys. I don't know. Um, and they're walking on the road, and then of course Carl rocks up here. They're like, "Oh, be cool, hide the game, and that sort of thing." And then Carl is, is essentially probably doing the logical thing here and arresting. I don't know, man. Like, you know, he's, okay, so, so two things. One, how does he even recognize Alan? The last time he saw Alan, he was wearing jungle attire and he had ridiculous amounts of hair and beard. He is unrecognizable as the same person. Like, Sarah wasn't there with the kids. Sure, he might recognize the kids, but, like, for all he knows, they're just walking along with their mum and dad. Maybe the vague resemblance is that these are their parents and that was the uncle. Like, he has, he has no motivation to arrest this man, as far as I could see it, but... Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess if he does say he does recognise Alan, then, like, sure, may- maybe he's just kind of like, I need to at least bring you in for questioning, because, like, what the fuck is today and what's going on? And it's around this point that Peter earns his LVP, because as this conversation is going on, uh, two things happen. Uh, one, Van Pelt has tracked them down and is taking pot yep. shots at Alan, and two... Which nobody notices but Alan. Yeah, and so he's just kind of like, yep, arrest me, get me in the car, <laughs> get me yeah, out of here. Like, like, uh, see, <laughs> see you later, boys and girls, I hope yeah. Van Pelt doesn't kill you, but I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, they get in the um, car and speed away. And then simultaneously, Peter deci- realises he only needs ten to, to win the game. And so he decides to cheat, essentially like holding the dice and then dropping them. So he rolls like two sixes, essentially. We get a little message from the game, essentially being like, you like, you'll have to go back a turn, but you'll, you'll get sent back further. Um, and we see that Peter starts becoming like more of a primate, essentially. Like we yeah, start seeing this really like evolutionary hairy. process. Yeah. Heading back. Yeah. Kind of heading. Yeah. Because as you know, we evolved directly from monkeys. That's true. Uh, that's true. Um, a direct, direct so connection. Yeah. Now the monkeys are downtown. They're watching wizard of Oz and like the, the monkeys in wizard of Oz, like the flying monkeys jumping around and they're fucking going ham watching these monkeys jump around. Like it's on a TV in a window. And I love this intertextuality, man. Intertextuality. Cool. And highly remakeable. I'm into it. You get the reveal. Now that we cut back to Alan and Carl, the cop like, Oh, you remember, me i was the little boy with the sneaker sorry for ruining your sneaker uh anyway uh now we're back with the kids and sarah running through town and you can add this body horror to the list of things that are actually fucking horrifying that occur to this child here literally imagine you're a small child and you're finding yourself like become ape the stampede rolls through town peter dives into a car the fucking stampede rolls over the car nearly squishing him to death dude dude no less than six elephants walk over this car like he should be fucking like he should be a fucking cube and yet like for some reason he gets able to like get uh, get pulled out Van Pelt comes along with his gun strolls right up to Peter and fucking holds him at gunpoint and takes the board game that is so many fucking psychologically damaging things to occur to a child uh, Van Pelt takes the game for reasons that will become clear, although aren't exactly that clear. And then uh, he, he runs into a fucking, I don't know, mega mall or something, where I love, I love the human fucking reaction to just loot. I oh, just dude. love that so much. We're in this uh, Sir Save-A-Lot, um, is the yeah. name of this, uh, this little shopping like centre. multi-store. Yeah. And, like, yeah, people are just, like, going ham, ripping everything off shelves and that sort of thing, and just, like, absolutely going for it. Yeah, so the game is sitting on, like, the back counter, and Sarah runs up and grabs it. Van Pelt pops up from behind the counter and is like, Aha, I've got you! And he grabs Sarah, and he's like, I'm gonna use you as bait to get Alan. Which begs the question, why does he need Sarah and the kids as bait? Like, 
why could he could have just used the game? Like he knows Alan wants the game, and he also, what's more, like he had the kid before in the car, but like instead he took the game and decided to use it to bait Sarah. I guess he just loves laying bait traps. I think it's just the th- yeah, it's the thrill of the chase, dude. You know, like he he's getting distracted by being like, oh, I could chase this person as well, and you know, and it's his hubris that ultimately is his downfall. Because if of he course, just kept the game course. somewhere else, then he would have been fine. Because what happens now is the kids and the family proceed to just. Fuck him up. Uh, we get some goofy cartoon violence all over the place, which is always remakeable. It feels like they're like home aloneing this fucking uh, this fucking hunter. Uh, the important thing, just a few things I want to highlight in terms of this goofy violence. You've got uh, fucking Judy flashing him in the eyes with a barcode scanner. Uh, which oh my god, no him. sale, dude, no sale. Yeah, no <laughs> sale. Uh, then you've got them like pouring detergent all over the floor, so he's like slipping around on it and shit. Mm. Uh, pretty straightforward pretty straightforward and then you have Peter <laughs> who has like rigged up like an ICBM style missile using like using like scuba a bench tanks? press scuba yeah. tanks and like a like a kayak or something like that and like yeah basically they get like they knock Van Pelt into it he drops the weights and then fires off this missile outside of a building like he fi- he flies like through a wall essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah under the threat of scuba tanks uh, uh, and it's intercut with like <clears throat> Alan talking to Carl the cop and being like trust me I know what's going on I can stop this and Carl's like well I have no reason to disbelieve you and he uncuffs Alan who immediately pulls the switcheroo on him and cuffs Carl to his own car Carl hears news about what's going down at the Sir Savalod and so Alan's uh, like oh shit well uh, let me on in there with you and they, uh, they they like sort of wiggle into this car together and then yeah. Alan starts <laughs> driving them again this guy that hasn't driven until today starts yeah, no, he's basically a stunt driver. Well, yeah, and like it shows as he just like sort of speeds away and essentially dri- like Tokyo Drift style, like just gets them to the Sir Savalod, heading into this, uh, you know, this like climax sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to like have a quick little detour, a bit of a bit of anticipation, and okay. uh, run through a few taglines for you. What do you please tagline me? I feel very good about this. Give me the lines. Give me the Glengarry leads. All right. Oh, dude, nice. Yeah, dude. Uh, Al Pacino, very good. Jack Lemon, of course. Alec Baldwin, he wasn't even in the play. They just like wrote that <coughs> monologue for him. Very yeah, good. Coffee, no, coffee mean, is al- for closers. Always be closing. Always, always be closing. Always be closing. Um, so, uh, I've got three taglines for you here, each from different movies. One of them is from Jumanji. Very uh, good. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna read them out. You're gonna guess them. Okay. All right, I'm going to get this one. I am just okay. going to get it. Okay. Number one, it's a jungle in there. Okay, <laughs> that I mean, that sounds good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number two, adventure is waiting. Okay. Number three, same planet, different world. Okay, okay, Christ on a cracker. If it's the last one, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because, like. That just like, okay, I can see how that might make sense, but that is such a backdoor tagline. Like, that is such a long walk around to get that point across that, like, oh, this whole world is suspended inside the board game. I so fucking hope it's not the last one. Christ, I will actually be inconsolable. Okay, what was the (laughs) first one again? First one is... It's a jungle in there. Okay, that one makes the most sense by far. That one just that one just makes the most... I mean, like, the, the, the second one is very broad. Like, I could believe it's just, like, what, Adventure Awaits or whatever it is? Adventure like, is waiting, yeah. Adventure is waiting. That could be a tagline for just about anything. 
The last one is... Oh, oh I fucked this up so many times going with the one that makes the most sense. The, okay. 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 I'm going to learn from my mistakes and I'm going to say by far the one that makes the most sense is the first one. So I'm going with number three. Same planet, different world. Oh, Benjamin, like ships passing in a harbour. <laughs> the correct answer, of course, was it's a jungle in there. Fuck! <laughs> I was so ready for you to get another point on the board for this one. I thought it was like, I was like, well, there's jungle in there. Like, they're close, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, no, anyway, okay, I, gu- I guess at this point, it's so many layers of, like, psychological yeah. harm that it's really hard exactly, to, like... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I just... I, I fucking... I can't, I can't get my mind straight. <laughs> uh, imagine if this is just, like, me. an elaborate way of me, like, gaslighting you, dude. Like, I, yeah, I, I like, hey, here's this fun me. game, dude, and now you just don't know, like, up from down, left from right. Yeah, I can't uh, tell fucking fuck. black from white anymore, Christ. Um, okay. So, the one you chose, same plan, different world, is... Is actually from the 2008 Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Um, okay. And then the second tagline, Adventure is Waiting, is from Zathura, A Space Adventure. Oh, yeah, Which yeah, 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 you yeah. might know like from the second detail. tagline for that film is A New Adventure from the World of Jumanji. Uh, and then the, oh. other, the other four ta- taglines for Jumanji. Uh, so the, and then the other four taglines, uh, Roll the Dice and Unleash the Excitement. Um, so, okay, <laughs> that's cool, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. All right, a little bit there of is no way I would have got that one. Absolutely yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Um, are you game? Is okay. just one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then That's... the last one is an adventure for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Oh, cool. Which so I just is couldn't just... agree on whether game or adventure was a <laughs> yeah, better yeah, noun to put much, in there. Yeah, okay, fine. All right, let's press on. We're, we're arriving at a climactic moment. Fucking the, the cop and Alan are coming to the store. We've already got the kids and Sarah in there doing all their hot pranks on Van Pelt. Man, Van Pelt is a poor shot. He takes so many shots at fucking Sarah and he just misses them all. It's like, okay, kind of thought he was meant to be a mythical hunter, but whatever. On, on, on the way there, we can't gloss over the amazing scene where Alan and Carl see three monkeys on a police bike holding a gun. I just <laughs> fucking love that shot. I was getting strong Planet of the Apes vibes. Van Pelt standing there. He lays a trap for the family. Uh, he, he like shoots like a, a, a thing holding some tires. All these tires tumble out and knock the kids and Sarah over. And like... Those tires didn't seem to be moving fast enough to me to knock anyone over, as evidenced by the fact that Van Pelt just straight walks through the oncoming tide of tires. Like, he just walks <laughs> through them. Like, they don't slow him down in the least, which seems fair enough. They're just tires. Um, and, and he's got them cornered, and we're like, oh, Christ, this is about to be it. But then the brake line's cut in the cop car. Fucking Alan can't stop the car and the car (laughs) smashes into the side of the store, crashes through like four walls and three shelves of products and uh, knocks over a fucking giant wall of heavy paint cans on Van Pelt. Couple of observations here. Christ, that was lucky for the family. (laughs) He was driving (laughs) blind into the store and he just happened to hit the hunter and not the kids and Sarah. Also, Van Pelt would just be dead. Just so dead. Like, that has got to be hundreds of kilograms of paint smushing him into a tile ground. Yeah, no, they they pretty much just like, they like bail out of there and they're like, let's go finish this game essentially. 
Yeah, and they leave Carl behind. And now we get a scene uh, with Aunt Nora. Uh, she's driving in her car. And I'm like, what's the point of this scene? She's driving in her car. She's listening to the radio. She sees the stampede move past her. A little tiny rhinoceros runs past really slow. Uh, I-, I gotta say, another mighty goof here. This one's actually just interesting. The slow rhino seen at the back of the stampede was an animation error they left in. An incorrect frame rate had been set for the element, making it run slow. They kept it in while Whoa. adding the foot stomp and wheezing sounds, dude. So that was a literal like animated goof that they made into a funny gag that's i actually really like that that's really fun yeah that's that's pretty fun yeah. uh so she gets like duped by a monkey in some way exactly An- another one of these monkey pranks essentially and like aunt nora is then left being like oh cool cool cool, cool. i think at this point uh carl rocks up i think like yeah, carl right. like swings past and like it's just kind of like talking to um aunt nora and being like man what a day huh uh and then being like i'm like <laughs> Basically, um, uh, she's like, I, can, can, can you give me a lift home? I live at the old parish house. And he's like, you got any kids, a boy and a girl? And she's like, what have they done? But uh, there's no time for that as vines burst from the uh, from the trees nearby, wrapping itself around the police car. Yep. Carl gets out in the nick of time. And then they essentially crush the police car into a cube and drag it yeah, deep dude. into the heart of the forest. There is a lot of crush stuff going on in this film. Yeah. And you you can't help but wonder if there's I mean, I'm gonna have to an say audience it, if for there's that? a fetish a, a yeah. fetish angle a crush that. Yeah, I mean yeah, you'd have to say yeah. right. There's there's a lot of crushing and smooshing that goes on. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's keep that worth, in mind. you know, just, but yeah, it's worth knowing. I don't know if I would say this movie is appropriate for children. Uh, so now we're back <laughs> with the kids and Sarah and Alan, and they're walking along, and, like, uh, Peter is crying, and Alan's like, oh, it's okay to be scared. He initially is like, face it like a man, but then he has a change of heart because he realizes he doesn't want to be a shithead dad. But it turns out Peter was crying about the fact that he's now a full-blown monkey. Oh yeah, by the way, we forgot (laughs) to point that out. He's now a full-blown monkey. Uh, And uh, his his tail is in the back of his jeans and it's cramping and he feels bad because of it. And so Alan rips a big hole in his jeans so his tail can hang out. Which, like, how easy is it to rip hole? Like, how strong? Is Alan, like, supremely, like, strong? Like... Like, I mean, dude, he's that... jungle. He's jungle strong, dude. He's right, survived yeah. twenty six years and uh, he's gonna be Tarzan strong. Yeah, kind of like farm strong, but like in a more like uh, yeah. More I mean, exciting, I think jungle strong. Fashion. I think jungle strong tr- trumps farm strong. Sorry to any rural listeners, but do you grow reckon? up as a mm, mm. grow up as a, a, a boy ape in the jungle, and uh, we'll see what kind of Stop. amazing strength you have. Ben, Ben, jungle versus farm as some sort of like reality TV like uh, like thing okay. like an American Ninja Warrior, see, but I like think it's a jungle boy. Have, and a farm boy. I think the problem you're gonna have is finding any real world jungle boys. Yeah, that's true. Well, you would you <laughs> but, would have but, to bring the game to them. I think. Um, yeah, but but know, also like, if it's if it's American Ninja Warrior, the jungle boys are gonna fucking trump because it's well, all about I, 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 I'm, vines and climbing yeah, up yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm more mean. I, I'm not saying exactly that model. Is that like uh, I'm more mean that sort of style of competition? But like the key premise is like jungle versus farm. I reckon people. Dude, would get here's how you make it fair. Here's how you make it fair. The jungle boys have to do farm activities, and the farm boys have to do jungle activities. Ooh, Ultimate game, proving who's best. So the jungle boys yeah. have to like plow a field and like rustle up some cattle, and the the farm boys have to like swing from vine to vine and make friends with gorillas. Yeah, and because they're both, you know, there's working with working with animals in there and that sort of thing, and like an understanding of the land, but in a very different way. I think this is this would sell, dude. This we shattered a couple from the show now because it's going to yeah. be too successful. Oh. 
I think ultimately this ends up, um, it becomes a thing where they end up with sort of a newfound mutual respect for each other. And we finally, we finally, with our show, squash the beef between Jungle and Farm. Finally. Yeah, Someone because that's been going us. on, that's been going on for a while. <laughs> that, that Jungle Farm beef, like, man. Yeah. Okay, so now the whole team's back in the house, uh, which is now overflowing with vines, because the vines have survived and hung out in the house. Uh, yeah. And Sarah asks a fucking amazing question. Shouldn't we play someplace else? Yeah, amazing fucking question. Yeah, not a bad question into, at like, all. At, th- at this point, I'm starting to have some serious doubts about the intelligence of these characters. Because it's Sarah's turn, she rolls, there's something about a monsoon, it starts raining. But there's a good, like, minute... Like, a literal full minute before, like, the rain starts and then gets heavy enough that there's actually, like, a flood filling up the house. Why don't they just roll a bunch? Like, they're sitting there. They need to, like, brave these elements and then roll. Why don't the people whose turn it is just roll immediately? This is a recurring element. Like, everyone waits for, like, the consequence of the previous roll to reach fruition before they take the next turn. Like, you're sitting there. Just all three of you roll. Just keep rolling. And if you roll fast enough, one of you will get to the middle and none of the shit can even harm you because it'll all be sucked back into the game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sorry, that's my Jumanji metagame. Uh, no, yeah, no I, do that. I think you'd be good, dude. I think you'd be a really talented player in Jumanji. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. That's what I wanted to hear. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I had a copy of the licensed Jumanji board game. Oh, really? Um, what was it like? Because, yeah. like, obviously it, it must be shit. hard to, to capture the same visceral thrill, a thrill of being sucked yeah. into the jungle. I mean, th- they had this very cool thing where, like, there was a stack of cards that were all, like, um, like scrambled, like, they looked like QR codes, and you put them under this, like, viewfinder in the middle, like, you slid the card in, and then the little poem came up that said what you had to do. So, like, that was a cool and, way of doing the, yeah. like, the thing... Uh, but it was mostly just a board game. You, like, roll six and then you get to, like, punch your dad or something like that? Like, does it have, like, real-world yeah. consequences, or...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It said if you if you roll double sixes, then you get to punch your dad. That's right. Uh, oh, you so... get to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get to go punch your dad right in his door. <laughs> your dad's just like, oh, that's Jumanji for you. You can, like, go on, square between the cheeks. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> square between the cheeks. <laughs> So, uh, it's raining, there's now a monsoon, uh, then there's a crocodile, and now there's a scene where the whole team is, like, hanging out on this table, they're, they're all trying to climb up onto the chandelier, fucking Alan's wrestling a goddamn crocodile, like, to, uh, to keep dude. them all safe, and I'm like, man. This film fucking jacked one of my fun jokes I was gonna have, because I was like, man, Alan's a real puss fella, look at him go, wrestling those gators. And then Alan, like, five seconds later is like, they're not gators, they're crocodiles, they, that's why they, they have this weird, like, uh, fringe thing or whatever. And I was like, fuck, Alan, like, I was gonna make a fun Dr. No joke, like, I can't believe you set me up and then cruelly took it away. Also, as another consequence of that, this movie has fucking everything, man. It's got fucking biology lessons inside. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, that is amazing. <laughs> they escape the uh, monsoon because Carl and Nora show up and kick in the door and all the water pours out of the house because, of course, that was a watertight seal and it was the only seal <laughs> on the front of the building. None of the windows or any other doors or anything. As soon as the front door opens, all the fucking water pours out. We get that line about the crocodile and the alligator when it looks like Alan and Sarah are about to kiss. She's like, you wrestled an alligator for me. And then fucking, he's like, it's a crocodile. And then just totally fucking blanks her. And then uh, I guess Carl and Nora just gave up because they're just not there anymore. Like they've just gone away. I guess they get, the water ca- they get the carried away. Yeah, yeah. Like like the water comes through and they get like washed away on top of like doors. I guess they're like floating past like uh, crocodiles and shit. Yeah, so they're they're just upstairs uh, now. The, the whole group's gone upstairs to to play in the attic because I guess they wanted to get to higher ground in case the monsoon continues. I don't know. Now, <laughs> fucking 
Christ, someone rolls, uh, I think it's Alan's turn, and he turns the floor into quicksand. And he gets sucked down into the fucking quicksand floor, and he's like, oh no, I'm gonna fall, they're like all trying to pull him out, and finally, finally we get some common sense from one yeah. of these characters. Yeah. Because whilst this is happening, Judy's like, huh, what if instead of waiting for us to resolve this situation, I did my turn, and the next thing happened, and we just moved on. And so she's like, okay, she rolls the dice, and for some reason, like, the only thing that happens is Jumanji's like, oh, yeah, we're gonna go back one turn. And the floor just stops, and now Sarah and Alan are both, like, stuck half in and half out of the floor, because Sarah was trying to pull Alan out. Someone's turn is up next. At this point, I want to note a goof, which is is sort of, it, it should have been throughout the movie, which is the complete fuckery with the amount of spaces that they have left on the board. Like, at various points, we hear things yeah. like, you can win if you roll a 12, and then, like, they roll a 3, and then on the next scene, they're like, you only need three more to, to finish the game. And, like, that happens to, like, multiple characters throughout the film, where, like, it is just, they're playing, like, complete Calvin Ball with how many fucking spaces <laughs> they have left to get to the centre of the board. Someone rolls Someone rolls for spiders, essentially? Like- yeah, someone rolls for spiders, and we get a little, okay, I've got, um, I've got a, a question for you here. So the, the clue that comes up is, need a hand? Well, just you wait. We'll help you out. We each have eight. And it's like, okay, we know spiders are about to come. He's talking about eight. But it begs a question for me. Do spiders have hands? <laughs> like, Ooh. on the eight legs, they have eight hands. Yeah. Can qualify them as hands? I'm just going to Google right now. Do spiders have hands? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh. What? <laughs> Spiders have claws at the end of each leg. Spiders' legs are segmented, so each leg has seven segments, blah, 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 and the tarsus, which ends in two or three small claws. So, yeah. Well, that's, um, I mean, hey, spiders have hands. That's like, that's probably like the episode title now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Jumanji teaching us biology yet again. Spiders have hands, what do you know? So Alan and Sarah are both stuck in the floor, and Alan's like, Peter, go get the axe! And Peter runs off to get an axe, and uh, we're left with just Judy fighting off these spiders for a minute. A fucking, like, uh, one of these plant head things, like, pops out from underneath the board. She gets barbed in the neck, dude. Like, a, like a barb shoots into her neck, and she, like, pulls it out. It's, like, fucked up. When Peter comes across and, like, chops off the head of this purple plant, we see this, like, milk-like fluid, like, burst yeah. from, like, the... Almost, yeah, like, the neck of the gross. plant. It's so gross. It's- it's incredibly gross. Uh, intercut with this tense scene, Nora's back in the house, and for some reason, the thing that spooks her most is Alan's legs hanging down through the ceiling, despite all the other horrifying things she's already <laughs> seen. Uh, but Peter runs into her, like, while he's running upstairs with the axe, this actually happened a little bit before, and he's like, no time to explain, and just locks Nora in the cupboard. Fucking ice cold, Peter. Like, literally just neutralizes her as a character, locks her in the cupboard. Anyway, uh, so back upstairs, fucking Judy's fallen asleep. Uh, they're like, oh, Oh god, Sarah has to roll, so they put the dice in her mouth because her hands are stuck in the floor. She, like, spits the dice out, and, uh, oh god, all hope seems lost, but, uh, because the spiders are closing in, Judy's asleep, they're still stuck in the floor, and then, uh, I guess Sarah's role was that the ground is now gonna split in half, because yeah, the ground the entire starts... fucking house, yeah, the entire fucking house, like, splits down the centre into two. Alright, so let's just get to it, uh, the, the, the floor splits apart, Alan falls a few stories, uh, as he's falling, the game also falls and lands precariously on a ledge, uh, Alan grabs a vine, he swings through on the vine, fucking scoops the board game up, and then he's back in the living room, after 
doing an amazing smash roll through a fucking plate glass window. Uh, and then he's just like, all right, cool, let's finish the game. And he's holding the dice, and how the fuck is Van Pelt alive? I was so upset at this. Van Pelt comes in, he's all covered in paint, and he's like, drop whatever you've got in your hand there. And we're like, oh yeah, we know this is going to count as a roll because it happens before. So Alan drops the dice. I guess he's only like three spaces away from the end of the board somehow now again. <laughs> uh, and uh, fucking the dice fall. One of them lands on a one. We're like, oh no. The other one keeps rolling and it's rolling and it's rolling and it falls oh down my a God. hole. For it's all time, dude. It like yeah, rolls for on. so long. Yeah, and, and while it's going on, Van Pelt, just to stall, I guess, is forced to use four cool villain one-liners in a single breath. <laughs> he says, end of the line, Sonny Jim. Game's up. Start running. Aren't you afraid? <laughs> like, just pick one. You don't need to say all four of those things. He doesn't get any reaction. Uh, but of course, we see that the dice lands on two, which is exactly what Alan needed to get Jumanji. The piece moves in. Van Pelt sees, like, Alan's eyes light up. He's like, oh no. He shoots. Sarah jumps in front of the bullet. Christ, that's horrifying. I guess she was like, better I die than Alan. Uh, and then <laughs> fucking everything starts getting sucked back into the board. The bullet gets stopped in midair and pulled into Jumanji. And then, man. Uh, dude, fucking- I needed a clarification here. The new gun that I made. I know, I know. It wasn't from Jumanji. We know. No, no, no. But my point is, is that, like, what effect does that have on Jumanji? Like, when you're having, like, a 1995 weapon (laughs) brought into the jungle. Like, do we get, like, a Van Pelt? But do we get, like, a steampunk sequel or something like that? Like, do we get, like, a mechanized, like, sort of, like, techno-punk Jumanji, like, jungle hybrid or something like that? Because I am here for that in such a big way. Dude, I hope Van Pelt shows up in the sequel with his fucking 1995 assault weapon and The Rock has to kill him with his own two hands. A literal tornado of animals flies into the uh, living room and there's literally just, like, a fucking, yeah, tornado being sucked gradually into this board. It's extremely fun. There's all wacky zebras and shit. Fucking Van Pelt gets sucked in, his head gets stuck, he's the last thing we see, and then he gets sucked in, and then, this is where this movie, I forgot about this, and this is just completely off the rails. The jumping the shark moment you're talking we about? Travel, we travel back in time to 1969, and Alan and Sarah are children again, living their lives all over again. This is so fucked up. Okay, maybe it's good for Alan, because he had his whole life stolen from him, living in a jungle world. Fucking Sarah has lived a whole life where she went from being a little girl to a grown woman, 26 years, and now she's a little girl again, and has to live her whole fucking life over again. Like, can you imagine, dude? Like, in some ways it might be a blessing, because her life wasn't that good, but, like, there's no time taken to address how fucking existentially horrifying it is. Dude, Sarah makes a comment where she's like, Oh, I'm I'm sort of forgetting what it was like to be an adult and remembering more of what it was like to be a kid. But before that goes away entirely, I need to do this. And she like sort of kisses. Essentially, essentially, the kids go down to the river and they throw the game. They they throw Jumanji into the river. Doesn't seem like the best place to put it, but whatever. No, and really, then, not like, very good. Yeah. yeah. Um. But Sarah is like, oh, quickly before I forget everything, let me kiss you. 
Which is fucking horrifying, because, like, that whole existence is just erased. His last, like, you know, memory of the real human world was when he was a child, so fair enough, he now gets to grow up and experience things normally. She has, like, literally seen everything before. Like, she's got fucking future vision, dude. Like, because she can remember the events of 1995. So she's literally, like, uh, why she doesn't do a fucking Back to the Future and bet on every fucking sports game and win fucking millions of dollars is beyond me. We find out that Alan takes over the shoe factory and, like, he becomes the boy king. He becomes yeah. the boy king of Brantford. He finally sits upon the throne. Uh, dude, Time Foolin'. We can't ignore it. Time Foolin' is basically a cast member on this show and it is yeah. always a point of remake ability. If there's no <laughs> Time Foolin' in the remake, that will actually be a huge element missing. Uh, but yeah, so now we jump back to 1995. They're back to their grown-up selves, having lived We're their at a entire Christmas lives, party? I suppose. Yeah. yeah, back in the parish house. Fucking Alan's in control of the house. He's just as Sarah's Santa. pregnant. Carl's there. Sarah is pregnant, they're married. Oh, before that happens, sorry, back in, in Child World, Alan has a nice little uh, atonement with the father where he's like, oh, sorry, Dad, yeah. I do want to be a parish. And his dad's like, yeah, I was uh, too harsh on you. And then he sees Sarah in the living room and he's like, ha nice son, get some. Yeah, anyway, yeah don't worry about it. All right, I'll, we'll talk about it man to man. And I was like, dude, yeah, what are you after, saying? After, after you get some. And Liz yeah. is like, go on, Alan, go get yours. Then they have the whole thing with throwing the board game in the river after Alan admits that it was him who fucked up the factory with the shoe. Then we're back in the Christmas party where this fucking completely off the rails moment occurs. Fucking Alan goes down dressed as Santa and fucking Judy and Peter are here because I guess Alan has employed their parents uh, in a way to be closer to Judy and Peter. Because Judy and Peter come in and Alan and Sarah are like, they're here. They they look the same. And their parents are like, um, oh, yeah. how Can do you, you know our children? Me? Yeah, like, What's going and on? the kids... The kids don't remember anything, of course. Like, they're so creeped out by, like, Alan and Peter being like, here's some Christmas presents for you. And they're like, they love these kids because they went through this traumatic experience with them. But, like, they're being so creepy, like, behaving like they know these kids. But... I suppose uh, at least they do save the lives of Judy and Peter's parents because we learned that they died in a car crash while they were in Canada and uh, they're like, so when can you start as advertising executives for my shoe company? And the dad's like, well, we were thinking of taking a holiday in Canada. And they're both like, no, don't do it. And uh, I guess inadvertently save their lives. Can you imagine if they were like, oh, Canada, well, enjoy. And, like, their whole thing is that they want to adopt the kids or something like that. And so they're just kind of like, yeah, enjoy your trip to Canada. Oh, no my God. That's the, that, that is a dark timeline. But, no, yeah, of course dude. they don't do that. This <laughs> ending is fucking off the rails and it just keeps going. We get the most ominous final shot where, like, there's these two little girls walking along a beach and we just hear, like, bum, 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 bum. And we close up on the board game. And I'm like, oh my god. How was there never a direct sequel? Like, why did we have to wait 22 years yeah. for this fucking backdoor remake? Like, why was there never a fucking proper sequel to this movie? And why didn't they wait until it was 26 years? Because that would have been fucking hype. Oh if it was like a god. 26 year time jump thing. That would 2021? Have been so good. Dude, maybe, yeah, dude. maybe that's when they'll put out maybe that's when they'll put out Jumanji 3. That'd be neat. Yeah. Um, because apparently they are in talks about Jumanji 3. But anyway, uh, dude, I just wanted to address something real quick. Like, we, like, this board game, dude, like, I, I'm kind of intrigued by the fact that, like, we never get, like, an origin story for it, because it is, like, it literally must be a product of Satan. It is so fucked up. Like, the things it does, the things it puts people through, this time, like, time travel magic that it has, like, it is just, like, beyond the pale of things that are not okay. <laughs> 
you've enjoyed this show, you can go check us out on Facebook or Twitter at uh, on, on Twitter at SI Curio Show or on Facebook or Twitter at Curio Network. Or if you want to tweet at one of us directly, I'm at Mr. BT McAllister. I'm at Jackson underscore Usid. And it's also worth noting at the moment that on our uh, one of our other shows for Curio, uh, How to Win Loot and Influence yeah. Dragons, <clears throat> a D&D 5e actual play. We've just dropped a double episode. So we are doing uh, Chapter 20 has come out this week. And also uh, a recap, uh, episode uh, 19.5, The Hero's Recap, which essentially yeah. runs through the story so far. Yeah, if you wanted to, if you wanted to get on board with HW Laid, which is our D&D 5e show, then like it's honestly the best time because we've like... We've recapped the first 19 episodes, like, before I ever sat down. It's, like, 37 minutes long or something. Smash through that. You'll know yeah. what's going on in the story. And it's a pretty, right it's a pretty good way stuff. of getting through over, like, you know, 20 hours of story yeah, uh, in, like, exactly. 37 minutes. So, you know. Yeah. And you can you can get back on to the new stuff that's also just come out. There's a brand new episode for you to listen to right after listening to that recap. So definitely yeah. check that out if you're interested. Is it time for an MVP, LVP trivia recap, Jacko? Benjamin, it is almost time. Because there's just something I want to address before we hit MVPs. Uh, and I was thinking about it, and I didn't want to interrupt the flow when we were wrapping the f- up the film. But we return to a time where Carl isn't fired from the shoe shop. Do you think he gets Wilt Chamberlain to wear those shoes? Because we Dude, only see a shot of him at Christmas party. Yeah, we, we he's see at Christmas, party, Christmas party. He's playing some music. He looks like he's you know happy and healthy and that sort of thing. But like, do you reckon in this in this do over that he does make those shoes and like that's the because that, that's what that's what um Alan's I think talking to his dad about on the phone. He's sort of talking about this like future of shoes that's coming through or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 totally never addressed. Uh, but like. I think we're only to assume that he he invented the sneaker and went on to insane personal wealth. And despite yeah. the fact that he and he and Alan are now kind of shoe industry rivals, they have a sort of grudging respect for each other. And he still invites him to the Christmas party. That's my canon, at least. So Jackson, let's let's talk about MVPs. My, my first nominee is the actress who plays young Sarah for the way that she manages to fucking juke around those bats. Uh, I've also got an MVP for the animators, for the way that they fucking animated those animals in the stampede scene that hold up surprisingly well. And my last MVP was to Judy for taking the initiative to, like, actually roll some dice. Uh, the, the character Judy, uh, rather than the actress playing young Sarah. Hell yeah, dude. I had Judy as well um, for, like, quick thinking throughout the film. I also had that charming, like, uh, very, very stylish squatter that was, like, uh, you know, pointed Alan on the way to his his parents' grave. Nice. Um, And then I had Peter for his stunts, but I think I revoked that, essentially. Uh, I mean, we we both nominated Judy, so should we go with Judy? I reckon Judy. Let's, Let's lock it in, dude. Lock and load. Yeah, um, right. but then, but then okay. I want uh, I want you to tell me about your a young LV. a young Ke- a young Kirsten Dunst, uh, yeah. her inaugural her inaugural MVP win on this show. We'll have so to uh, send her send her a plaque or something. Yeah, like hey hey everybody, tweet at Kirsten Dunst and congratulate her on getting MVP in our recap. <laughs> please 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 do that. Okay, um, if Kirsten Dunst tweets at us, I'll lose my mind. Okay, um, my LVPs. I've only got two. I've got the pest control guy uh, for just being an absolute shit to the kids, and I've got the gun shop salesman who just doesn't play in 2018. Honestly, LVP, I I had Peter for cheating because it was such an abject horror given like, yeah. this is, like the game sort of thing, and he was like, "No, fuck this game!" Like even though there was like quite real world consequences for their actions, um, yeah, Peter for me was probably LVP. 
Um, I can, I reckon I can go pest control guy because like, not only was he like so horrifying to those kids, he also was so like, so swimming in exposition and that sort of thing that like his impact on the film is just like overall negative in like a huge way. I, I've, I've got another little bit of headcanon here because I, I thought this was going to turn out to be the case, but it literally is never mentioned again that like he was going to turn out to be like grown up Billy Jessup and like he's now become like a fucking <laughs> pest control guy. And that was like a little bit of Pope. Poetic justice or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. that is, of course, just the actor James Handy, the great James Handy, uh, known for Arca- Arcanophobia. Oh. And uh, in this in this movie, he plays Unnamed Exterminator. And if you go to, to James Hart- Handy's IMDb page, those are the two movies he's best known for. So, uh, oh, well, that's always good to, to know. Uh, shall we talk in with a little bit of trivia? Please. Robin Williams admitted that he did not need to act startled for the scene where Van Pelt is shooting at him. As the blank gunfire was extremely loud on set. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> real, real startles. Oh my god, there's a novel about this movie. What? Like a novel? There's a novelization, I think. Or is oh, it like dude. Is it based on a novel? Uh, yeah, it's an a- adaptation of the children's book of the same name. Shit, man, I did not know there was a book. <laughs> The Jumanji board game was very popular throughout the years to the point where a screen used board. What? Oh, a screen-used board, one of the ones that was used, like, in the film, was sold in 2014 for $60,800. Whoa. That is a disturbingly high amount of money. Dude, Roger Ebert criticised the film for being marketed as a family film, yet being far too scary for children. Even Robin (laughs) Williams wouldn't let his children watch it. Yes, dude, I completely agree. Oh, wow. Although Carl Bentley is shown to have already been an adult when Parrish was a child, David Alan Greer, who played Carl, is actually four years younger than Robin Williams. (laughs) 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 I guess Robin Williams is a a fresh-faced young boy. Yeah, that's true. Dude, Scarlett Johansson auditioned for the role of Judy Shepard. Dude, imagine if ScarJo was young Judy. Man. Swings and roundabouts, eh? (laughs) In the jungle, massive rainfall and extreme humidity can rot flesh in no time. So Alan's advice about getting to higher ground to escape the monsoon is sound. Yeah, thanks, IMDb. Oh, cool. Couldn't put cool, that. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Good oh trivia. yeah. Get up high to evade fucking floods. Wow, amazing trivia. Bruce Willis was considered for the role of Alan, but due to him shooting Die Hard with a Vengeance, he was unavailable. Oh my god, dude. Can you imagine this movie with John McClane in it, dude? I can, and I love it, dude. Are you dude, kidding me? In the, in the last scene, instead of dropping the dice, he's got a gun taped to his back and he ices yes, Van dude. Pelt. The yeah, fucking dude. climax. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Like, he, inte- he, he then breaks the game because he doesn't want the world to change. Like, this is his world now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like... The 27 reissued Blu-ray features two deleted scenes that were never before seen in the movie. The first scene features Carl as the new president of the shoe factory discussing a new shoe with Alan and a co-worker. He did it Why too. did they delete that? That's such a good part of the movie. That's an amazing end. That trumps my head, Karen. According to the author of the novel, the word Jumanji is Zulu for many effects. Which alludes to the exciting consequences of the game, but I think we know what it's really for. Many effects! That is a direct translation of the title of this 1995 movie. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. 
Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is A Nature's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.